Thanks for joining We Bible People today. We'll be going over the biblical theme of covenants and tracking it across the Bible. I'm your host, R.C., and I'm really excited to talk about this important theme and how it connects to the overall redemption story. We'll be going over some passages and how they change and develop the covenant theme. So if you want those Bible passages, want to follow along the biblical timeline, or just want more information in general, all you have to do is go to www.webiblepeople.com slash covenants. Also, if you want to hear about other biblical themes, just go to www.webiblepeople.com slash themes. All right, to get started, I want to give a reminder about how all biblical themes work. The covenant theme, like all of the themes in the Bible, were fulfilled by Jesus when he came in the flesh about 2,000 years ago. This is called Christ-centered fulfillment, or Christocentric fulfillment if you want to be fancy. After being fulfilled by Jesus, the themes change and develop so that they are applicable to the universal church in some way. This includes us today. However, we are currently in a period called the already but not yet. Although all of the themes are already fulfilled in Jesus in some way, themes and promises have not been completely fulfilled yet. Now this points us to the future when all themes and promises will be completely and ultimately fulfilled in the era of the new heaven and the new earth. Great, let's start talking specifically about the covenant theme. First, we should define what a covenant is. A covenant is pretty much a contract made between two parties. When talking about the covenants specifically in the Bible, they are contracts or agreements made between God and his people. They state that if God's people do certain things, God promises to do other things. It is through these covenants and promises that we, who are finite human beings, can have a relationship with an infinite God. They define the relationship and are therefore used to understand the rules of the relationship. Now, starting at the beginning of the Bible, we have the creation of the world. Everything is perfect and God allows Adam and Eve to live happily and do almost anything that they want to do in the Garden of Eden. The only thing that God commands Adam and Eve not to do is to not eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If they do this one thing, then they get eternal life. Now, some people believe that this is a covenant, which they call the covenant of works. The two parties would be God and his people, Adam and Eve. And the terms are that if Adam and Eve don't do this one thing, then they get eternal life. Now, regardless of whether or not this is actually a covenant or just a command, it kind of doesn't matter because it's broken in the fall and humanity will need something else to define our relationship with God. This different covenant, also known as the covenant of grace, starts with a promise right after Adam and Eve disobey and will continue on for the rest of the Bible. The covenant of grace includes all of the other covenants that will be mentioned in this podcast. Now, the promise that starts off the covenant of grace can be found in Genesis 3.15, when God tells the serpent that tempted Adam and Eve, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head, and you shall strike his heel. Here we see that God promises that someone in the future will come from the seed or offspring of Eve. 
this person will suffer. The evil one will, quote, strike his heel. But this person will ultimately be victorious over the evil one as, quote, he will crush your head. Here we see a continuation of the offspring slash seed theme. God promises that he will no longer destroy the entire world again through water, through flood, but will preserve Noah's offspring. We continue to wait for the promised one, but it looks like he is going to be coming from Noah's line as well. Moving on to the Israel section of the biblical timeline, we reach the very beginning of when the nation of Israel is promised in God's covenant with Abraham. In this Abrahamic covenant, God promises Abraham a lot of things. First, God will bless Abraham's offspring. The future savior, first promised to Eve, is now promised to come from Abraham. Also, God promises that Abraham's offspring will become a great nation, that many kings will come from his line, and that his line will become a blessing to the nations. In addition, Abraham and his offspring are promised land, which God will one day give to them. This Abrahamic covenant is an everlasting covenant, which makes sense since it's part of the larger covenant of grace. Later, in the book of Exodus, we see that God wants to fulfill these promises by rescuing the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery and bringing them towards the promised land through the wilderness. During those 40 years, God makes a covenant between himself and Israel. Since this one is mediated by Moses, it's called the Mosaic Covenant, or as the Apostle Paul later refers to it, the Old Covenant. Interestingly, this covenant is conditional. There are a lot of laws, such as not being allowed to eat certain animals or not being able to wear clothing made of two kinds of materials. There's, there's a ton. And this covenant is conditional on whether Israel obeys all of these laws. If they obey the laws, then they receive certain blessings. If they don't, then they will receive curses. The blessings themselves are absolutely wonderful and include being God's treasured possession which means being part of God's people and having a relationship with him. Israel being a kingdom of priests so that Israel would act as priests serving God on behalf of the nations, as well as being a holy nation. Being set apart from the rest of the world and reflecting the pure nature of God to the rest of the nations as a powerful witness. Well, the Israelites eventually do make it to that promised land and form the nation of Israel. God will one day give her a king named King David, with whom God makes another covenant, called the Davidic Covenant. In this covenant, God promises that one of David's offspring will be a king of an eternal kingdom. Here we see the development of that offspring seed motif. It looks like the promised one, called the Messiah in Hebrew or Christ in Greek, is going to be coming from David's line. Also, something amazing about this coming king is that God promises that he will be that king's father so that that king will be God's son. With all of these promises and the presence of God in Israel, for a short time, it almost looks like Israel is going to be the ultimate fulfillment of all the covenantal promises. They have power, wealth, and eventually get a super wise king named King Solomon, who is one of David's sons. Unfortunately, Solomon and subsequent kings start to disobey the Mosaic laws and particularly begin chasing after idols. And since that covenant was conditional, 
despite several warnings, with God begging his people to repent and turn back to him, God eventually leaves Israel, and Israel is destroyed by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. During this time of exile, the prophets start prophesying a ton about the new coming king and the new covenant that he will mediate. Jeremiah prophecies that when the new covenant comes, God will change the hearts of his people so that, unlike in the past, God's people can actually successfully obey God and his laws. Jeremiah also prophecies that our sins will one day be forgiven with that new covenant, and that there will be a day when the entire world will know God personally. Ezekiel clarifies how God's people's hearts will change. When the new covenant comes, God will send his Holy Spirit to indwell and live inside of his people. The Holy Spirit will be the one who gives them new hearts, allowing God's people to finally obey his law. This is where the Old Testament closes, with the Israelites waiting for this coming king who will mediate a new covenant that will cleanse God's people and empower them to obey God's will. The Messiah will unite God's people and shepherd them back to the promised land. Now, there's a lot of expectations for this coming Messiah. But as you know, if there's anyone who could shoulder such high expectations, it is Jesus, God himself. Jesus comes and fulfills all of the promises and prophecies, such as Jesus coming from the line of Eve, Noah, Abraham, and David. He is the offspring and seed who was promised to overcome the evil one all the way back in the Garden of Eden. Jesus is a type of holy nation as promised to Abraham. The nation of Israel pointed to Jesus as they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Like Israel, Jesus was also tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. But unlike Israel, Jesus did not fall into temptation. Even the promised land is somehow fulfilled in Jesus. In John 15, 4, the Lord says, Abide in me and I in you. Like how God's people were to live and thrive in the promised land of Israel, now God's people live and thrive in Jesus Christ. Also, as God promised to Abraham that his offspring would bless the nations, Jesus is now our high priest who mediates the new covenant between God and all of the nations. Jesus fulfills this promise by extending the offer of being included in the covenant to everyone in the entire world. As promised to David, Jesus is a king who is the son of God. His kingdom shall be for all eternity. Also, remember how the Mosaic covenant was conditional on whether you obeyed all of the laws? Although Israel couldn't do it, Jesus fulfilled the law and therefore met all of the requirements for the blessings of that covenant. Christ's righteousness from following all of those laws perfectly is now credited and given to his followers. Therefore, the new covenant is not conditional. We receive its blessings through faith alone, not by works. All of those necessary works have been done and paid for by Jesus Christ. Finally, the prophets promised that the Holy Spirit will be sent to change the hearts of God's people so that we could actually obey God unlike those ancient Israelites. In John 14, 26, Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will be sent soon after he has ascended into heaven. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit does indeed come and begin living inside of the hearts of the people of God, changing our hearts so that we are able to obey God and his will. 
So how does all of this affect us? Well, the covenant theme has been fulfilled in Jesus, and then he transformed and developed it so that we play a role in this theme too, even to this day. Not only is Jesus considered to be the Son of God, but now the church is also children of God. Not only is Jesus the offspring and seed of Abraham, but Galatians 3.29 tells us that we are also the offspring of Abraham. That means that we get to enjoy all of the blessings of the covenants and the overarching covenants of grace. These blessings are many. We are forgiven and cleansed of our sins because Jesus was sacrificed and his blood officially signed and enacted the new covenant. Also, as promised to Abraham and Moses, we are now, as Peter calls us in 1 Peter 2.9, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. The church is called to be a nation of royal priests, blessing the nations and serving them, proclaiming the good news of the gospel and telling the world about the glory of God. Lastly, even the Mosaic laws have changed in the new covenant. As the old laws have been fulfilled by Jesus, we are now to fulfill what Jesus called a new commandment and what the Apostle Paul calls the law of Christ in 1 Corinthians 9.21. The law of Christ is a command to love one another. And because the Holy Spirit indwells us, the church is actually able to obey this command and love one another. So now we're currently in a period called the already but not yet. The promised land that once pointed to the land of Israel, that later pointed to Jesus Christ, now ultimately points towards the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is on earth today, we, the church, have the power to love God and each other, as well as have a living relationship with God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. However, we are also in the not yet period. The ultimate fulfillment of the promised land has not yet passed. Today, there is still pain, sin, and temptation. Although the Holy Spirit is with us, we Christians long to see our Savior, Jesus Christ, face to face. That points us to the final period of the new heaven and the new earth. The book of Revelation talks about a day when Jesus will ride on a white horse and make war with that ancient serpent. That serpent from Eden, Satan, has now grown into a dragon. But as originally promised to Eve, Jesus will completely defeat him and throw him into the lake of fire and sulfur forever and ever. Finally, all evil and temptation will be completely eliminated. Also, Revelation promises that God will make a new heaven and a new earth in the future. As promised by the prophets, the entire world will know God personally. In the ultimate fulfillment of the promised land, we will be worshiping God with Jesus as our eternal king. Christ's kingdom shall never end. And in that new heaven and new earth, our sins will be completely forgiven and we will never have to be forgiven again since everything will be perfect and we will sin no more. We will perfectly obey the law of Christ, loving each other and God for all of eternity. And with that, all the covenant promises will be ultimately fulfilled, absolutely and completely. And that's the end of the covenants theme. Not only did Jesus fulfill all of the covenantal promises 2,000 years ago, but we the church still have a role to play today and have been commanded to love one another. For all of those listening who are hurting and doubting, 
Here's a gentle reminder that Jesus has finished the work. Salvation and God's blessings are available to you today if only you believe. No matter how many times you've sinned, God promises to accept you as a child if you simply put your trust in Jesus and what He has done, not what you have done. And for all of those who are hurting and wondering why God won't stop your pain right now, God promises to end your pain and all pain and all suffering entirely one day. I hope that gives you some peace as you place your hope in the promises of God.